Welcome back to the NFC East Mixtape, the greatest crossover event ever attempted in the history of mankind. This is one of the most unique podcasts that we offer here at SB Nation as it touches all fans of the Dallas Cowboys, Philadelphia Eagles, Washington football team, and New York Giants. Your two co-hosts, myself, RG Cho from Blogging the Boys, Brandon Lee Gowton from Bleeding Green Nation. You see us, you hear us all the time from BTB and BGN Properties. You can listen to this show on both the Blogging the Boys and the Bleeding Green Nation podcast networks. And as of recent developments, we now are in the networks of both Hogs Haven and for the first time, Big Blue View. So Brandon Gatton, do you want to say a warm hello to all New York Giants fans who are listening to this for the very first time? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm just on these feeds now to troll all you guys and make the Giants your lives have beat miserable. The Eagles, by the way, the last time they played, just uh, anyway, yeah. But the Eagles play the Giants again this weekend, and we'll see how that one goes. But and on a more serious note, uh, if you are listening to this and you are a Giants fan or a Washington Football Team fan, I would not just me, RJ, and I both would like to hear from you. You can tweet at us on the Twitter.com machine at Brandon Gowton. That's B-R-A-N-D-O-N-G-O-W-T-O-N. And at R-J Ochoa, that's R-J-O-C-H-O-A, for those who don't know the spell. Uh, yeah, we want to hear from you. So uh, hopefully you're liking this. Hopefully we're doing justice to your teams. Obviously, you know, you're getting insight uh, in these podcasts from your own representatives, your own expedition blogs with Brian Stabby weighing in on the Washington football team and Ed Valentine from Big Blue View. So uh, I feel like we're fair here. I feel like, you know, we do we do a fair job of covering these teams, even though we have some biases but uh that's the deal this is the most historic division in the national football league so it warrants something special which is why uh back in the offseason blg and i developed the nfc's mixtape and uh you know we're now on all four feeds we're very excited about it we aren't going anywhere in the offseason so we'll be here for the draft and free agency and things like that uh we know if you're a hogshaven or a big blue view listener that this is a bit of a random show for you in your feed uh, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get through this together. And as Brandon said, we do have Brian Stabby and Ed Valentine who hop on every week to give us their thoughts, their takes on what is going on lately in the world of Washington and New York. But because it's a bit of a rough week for the Washington football team to listen to this particular show because it's hosted by a Dallas Cowboys and Philadelphia Eagles fan. And those are the teams that Washington most recently lost to. Uh, Brandon, <laughs> we decided to bring a very special guest. One of the first like big time guests that we have had in the history wow. of the NFC's mixtape. Uh, the title of this episode may have given it away, but Brandon, we are going to have on Rick Devins from Survivor, Edge of Extinction. Some people may not watch Survivor, but Devins is a huge Washington fan. In fact, he hosts or rather co-hosts a podcast called Surviving Snyder with Dalton Ross, who covers Survivor and other things for Entertainment Weekly, and uh, Brendan Shapiro, a uh, contestant on Survivor Ghost Islands. So uh, we got a guest here to talk about WFT and how they are losers that lack original ideas. So a little bit of shade uh, to our other guests by calling Rick Devins, uh, you know, the biggest big time guest, although he is really a big time guest. So uh, I guess it's a fair statement. Uh, really excited to talk to Rick Devins, who we love from Survivor. And uh, I think safe to say, um, you know, outside of the SB Nation Network, probably our favorite Washington football team fan. Right. I think we have to agree with that. So uh, they're a very prestigious award for him. Uh, I'm sure he's honored by that. Uh, yeah, it's been a weird time in the nfc east rj as we you know we're in this crunch down the stretch of all these games and uh obviously the cowboys have not officially clinched just yet but they're like 
they're, it's like what like a 99 point whatever percent chance it like is, they're, it they're is right. literally a 99 percent chance yeah yeah they're like right on the edge of doing that um but kind of fun that uh it didn't happen uh, as long as possible <laughs> delay it as much as we can um but yeah that's 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 the word we're living in right now so for the second straight week brandon here in week 16 we will have two full nfc east matchups this past week we had dallas at new york and washington at philadelphia it took a couple of extra days but that game did finally happen which is why we haven't even mentioned the mixtape is coming out today on thursday as opposed to yesterday on wednesday sorry for the scheduling adjustment but you obviously understand uh we have that again this week washington visits dallas again with their completely unoriginal benches uh and philadelphia will play host the new york giants the team that beat them a couple of weeks ago as i mentioned uh, so back-to-back weeks, lots of NFC's action. Uh, the Cowboys likely going to clinch the division this particular week. In fact, they may clinch it before they even set foot inside of AT&T Stadium. So let's talk about the eventual NFC East champions, Brandon Gunn. How's it feel to know, by the way, that the first season doing the NFC's mixtape, your favorite team, the Dallas Cowboys, wound up winning the division? I mean, <clears throat> that's probably destiny. That's probably, uh, <laughs> you know, attempted fate by, you know, or we both did, I guess, by coming up with this uh, now. Of course, that was going to happen. But it's also the nature of the beast, NFC beast. Do you ever hear the division called that, RJ? I know you're a fan of that. I've only uh, heard that, the beast. Thank you for the beast. <laughs> uh, that it's a team that wins every year that isn't the same team from the year prior since since what 2000 and was it four i think it was like the 2000 yeah it was the 2003 eagles and the 2004 eagles who won back to back and then since then it's insane it's like it's really crazy you know how i think you've talked about before like the cleveland browns fan who was like it's statistically harder to be like this bad than this to like accidentally be good at some point well it feels like like it's much harder for this to happen than it is for a team at some point to have repeated so i mean all this means basically is the cowboys are not going to win the division next year which really matters more uh the cowboys as mentioned will play host to washington on sunday night they just beat the new york giants 21 to 6 pitched a shutout as far as touchdowns are concerned granted not the most difficult thing to do against mike glennon dallas can clinch the nfc east one of three different ways this week brandon uh number one if they win or tie on sunday night but because they play on sunday night uh they are one of the last games that will be played this week uh, if Philadelphia loses to the New York Giants like they did last time when they played the New York Giants, uh, Dallas clinches the NFC East. Or if they get one and a half or more combined wins from the Raiders, the Jaguars, the Chargers, the Patriots, the Vikings, or the Falcons. So you've got six teams there. If you get one and a half, which would be a win and a tie or two wins outright uh, from any of those six teams, the Cowboys win the division based off of strength of victory against the Philadelphia Eagles. And so um, are, are you with me that it feels kind of likely that uh, that that is going to happen uh, before the Cowboys play on Sunday night? I mean, yeah, I mean, the discussion here about the Cowboys obviously shouldn't like it's, it's not interesting to talk about, like, are they going to win the division or whatever? Like, that's going to happen. It's now it's a matter of a really good, <clears throat> excuse me, week for them in week 15, where they get some help, unexpected help from the Detroit Lions. And all of a sudden, and who else? Who else won that so, upset? 
so the Cowboys picked up help from Detroit, who beat Arizona, and from New Orleans, who beat yeah, Tampa Bay duh. on Sunday night last week. Um, they almost also got help from Baltimore, beating Green Bay down the stretch, but obviously that didn't happen. Um, and they did residually. So look, you're right. It's it's kind of boring to talk about Dallas one of the East. It's also kind of boring to talk about Dallas beating New York because it was such a whatever game. Um, the real I think point of interest to your point is what seat are they going to ultimately end up with? And to that point, they did also get help from the Los Angeles Rams. So for anyone who's unaware how the Cowboys, we've gotten a lot of questions about this at Block on the Voice because the Buccaneers beat Dallas in, in week one. And so everybody's saying, how is Dallas ahead of them if, if Tampa has the head-to-head record? The head-to-head record is only applicable or only comes into play if you and that team specifically are tied with one another. However, because the Arizona Cardinals lost Brandon, they are also 10 and four, just like Dallas and Tampa Bay right now. If three or more teams are tied collectively, the immediate tiebreaker is conference record. Dallas actually has everybody in the conference beat, including the Packers, if they can get Green Bay to fall as well. But Brandon, because Dallas plays the Cardinals uh, next Sunday, if they win out, presumably, obviously, Arizona will not finish with the same record as them. So Dallas needs somebody to finish with the same record as them and the Buccaneers if they want to win the tiebreaker over the Bucks. So we have turned our attention towards rooting for the Rams to ultimately win the NFC West or for the Packers to lose a game in the fall. Wouldn't it be weird, though? Like, <clears throat> I get that's how it works, but isn't it kind of funny? There could be a situation where there is a three-way tie between, let's say, the Cowboys, the Bucks, and the Cardinals. And let's say the Cowboys lose to the Cardinals. And so, like, they they beat both the Bucks and the Cardinals, but somehow because you of mean, oh, the, they the way the tiebreaker. In seeding? Yeah, that would be funny. If, if, yeah, yeah, like that'd they, be kind of... they lost to both of them, but they win the tiebreaker, right? Yeah, that like I think that doesn't make sense. Like that doesn't that does like that doesn't make you know. I mean, that it seems like a rare. It's probably not going to happen, but that just seems kind of funny that that scenario could exist. Like that doesn't that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, yeah, but really big again for the Cowboys to bump up here, and also I think it adds intrigue to the Week 18 game between the Eagles and the Cowboys, which we've kind of talked about all season. Like, is that game like is is it going to matter? I mean, probably is for the Eagles. Um. But so are the seven to me, seed, like, or not the seven seed? They're on the outset right now, but they have life for the seven seed at least. The Eagles are in a decent spot. We won't, you know, talk about them just yet. We'll get to them, but um, but yeah, but in the context of the Cowboys in that game, I absolutely think Dallas will be playing for something because you don't want to be the four seed. You don't want to be at the team that has to take on either like the Cardinals or it's looking like could be the Rams. Um, or who knows, maybe even the 49ers bump up. But in any case, you don't want to play one of those teams. You want to either play, I think. You could say it's either, probably either going to be what uh, the 49ers, if they say it's six and you're getting um, them or the Eagles or the Vikings or the Saints in the seventh spot. Would you, so like, would you rather play the Niners or the Cardinals right now? Um, Probably the Cardinals. So then but, you would, uh, I mean, okay, let me ask you two questions. So, so that's the first one. The second, who wins yeah. the NFC West? You got to put down $5 million right now. Who wins the NFC West? Um, I'm going to say the Rams win it. I don't think like stats is trying to tell me the 49ers still have a chance. And I don't no, think that's impossible. The but so yeah. the car, the Cardinals next two games are tough, dude. I mean, they've got your favorite quarterback yeah. Carson Wentz on Saturday um, as the Indianapolis Colts will play them on Christmas. And then they visit the Cowboys next week and doing all this without DeAndre Hopkins, obviously is, is all the more difficult than those tasks already are. So to the, the overall point though, like, the, the general point all season long has been you don't want to be the four seed. However, Cardinals already have 10 wins. So, I mean, 
we presume they're at least going to win in week 18 when they uh, host the Seahawks. So that would put them at 11 wins, which would very likely, if they don't win the, the West, put them as the top wildcard team, the five seed. So then wouldn't you rather be the four seed than the three seed and play Arizona as opposed to San Francisco? Hmm. I mean, I guess you make the case for that, but I still think you want the highest seed possible in the case of reseeding and everything and, you know, making sure you have more home games and whatever. Like, I don't know. I don't think you're I don't think the Cowboys are like sitting it out to like get a lower seed. You know what I mean? I don't think they're resting starters right. to do that. I still think they're you're pushing. Um, I just I, I, even if the Cowboys don't have something to play for, I still think there's a chance they play their starters because we saw that. I know it's a different coaching routine, but we saw Jason Garrett do that, right? And at the end of 2018. So like, I, and, I just think that's and 2014, possible. He, they were locked and, and he played everybody against Washington as well. I don't know, you know, if Mike McCarthy like subscribes to the same idea. Um, and I don't know how much of a factor Jerry Jones plays in there. Kyler Murray, by the way, last four starts returning from injury. 70, or even I think before too, 78.7 passer rating in his last four starts. Like, yikes. And again, he's not going to have DeAndre Hopkins to help him out, like you said. So, so yeah, they're suddenly uh, not looking so great, I would say. Um, so it's an interesting playoff picture, the way it's shaping up uh, here with just three games to go. Three games to go. That's crazy that we already at this point. Uh, I always find it hard to believe that the season passes by as fast as it does, but it does. And here we are. Um. How conceivable is it? Do you think the Cowboys get the help that they need this week? Um, I'm still putting together our rooting guide uh, over at Blogging the Boys, but so they obviously need every you know division leader to lose, and theoretically they don't need the help from other teams, but they likely will get it to to clinch the East. But so, um, just who do you think wins these games? Browns, Packers, uh, Packers. Okay, so they don't get that one. Uh, Colts, Cardinals. I'm going to take the Colts. Jonathan Taylor, MVP, baby. Okay. <laughs> so uh, they, yes. they, they, I agree with you. I mean, I I agree with you mostly because I don't want to give it to Aaron Rodgers, but that's that's just me. Um, so, okay. So you're saying the Cowboys do get that help. Bucks at Panthers. I mean, let's let's be honest. The Cowboys aren't getting that one. I mean, the I like honestly, I think I've said this before, but I need to say it again. I cannot fathom how the Falcons have six wins this year and the Panthers have five. Those teams suck. They're so like the Falcons are literally like dead last in DVOA. And like they have like one of the very worst point differentials anyway. Okay. So Bucks win. Uh, so the Cowboys don't get that one. They do need the Rams to win out. Like I said, in the event that green Bay does not lose a game. So Rams uh, in Minnesota this week. Uh, that's a tough game because it's your boy, Kirk Cousins. And he's oh, so good. Now so, Kirk you know, the Vikings good. Are, mm. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Kirk doesn't win against good teams. But yeah, looking at the, just by strength of schedule here, for needing the Rams to win out, they actually have the 13th toughest remaining schedule because mm -hmm. after their game in Minnesota, they have to play the Ravens and they have to play mm -hmm. the 49ers. So I don't think they win out. I agree with you, unfortunately. So maybe... Maybe like I think the best hope if you're a Cowboys fan of of keeping that three way tie because I think Tampa's winning out. Tampa has Carolina left twice and the Jets oh, yeah. sandwiched in. Um, so <laughs> yeah, you, I think it's safe to say. <laughs> so you have to assume they went out. Obviously, you're presuming the Cowboys went out in in your like you know most hopeful of hopeful hypotheticals. I think you're mm -hmm. more like I think the more likely thing, BLG, as opposed to the Rams winning out, is the Packers losing a game, whether that's to Cleveland on Sunday or Saturday, excuse me, or losing to Minnesota next week because they did lose last time. Granted, that was in Minnesota, wasn't at Lambeau Field, in the cold, whatever, yeah. blah, blah. I, I know you're not going to say that's likely, but I think that's the more likely thing than the Rams winning out. 
Packers actually have the third easiest schedule remaining in the league, yep. believe it or not. Um, they get the Browns, like, uh, and then they get the Vikings, and then they get the Lions still. So nice. I believe that Lions game is in Week 18, so that might not even matter depending on how things play out at that point. Although, I think Dan Campbell, Campbell's team could be frisky uh, in that final game. That, uh, that would be fun. Hmm. Um, okay, so last thing. I don't think that the Cowboys are going to get the Eagles' loss on Sunday that would clinch them the division. So they would need... They would need at least two wins from the following games to be division champions before their game started. Uh, they would the Chargers are one of these teams. They play the Texans, so they're getting the Chargers game, right? We agree. Yeah. Okay. The Jaguars, if they win, it, it that's the second one. No. They they visit the Jets. You take, you're taking the, no. the Jets over the Jaguars. Take the Jets. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Raiders host the Broncos. You need the Raiders to win if that isn't obvious. Um. I mean, I think Drew Locke might be starting, right? So hmm, I guess I'll take the Raiders, but I don't feel good about it. One of those is Minnesota. So you've got some conflicting points of interest there. I think everyone still would rather see the Rams win. Uh, but so if that's kind of a win-win if you're a Cowboys fan. But um, Atlanta, uh, you just trashed them. But Atlanta's got the Lions. Although, man, they, they could lose that game. Uh, I'll take the Lions to win. <laughs> uh, final one, Patriots against the Bills at Foxborough. That could be another win that helps the Cowboys strength of victory. Uh, the Bills without Cole Beasley, we found out on Tuesday. So I think – my point is, I do think they'll have won it. I think that the NFC East is wrapped uh, by by the time their game plays on Sunday is played on Sunday night. Um, so NFC East champions, BLG loves it. Let's move on to uh, the NFC East losers. Um, that is really everyone else. The Philadelphia Eagles, Brandon, uh, the second team plays the NFC East losers. Uh, well, they are all losers, are they not? I mean, everyone except the Cowboys is an NFC East loser. They have a five hundred record. They're not losers. They're but, mediocre. They're but, the, but the Cowboys are NFC East winners, so that means everyone else is an NFC East loser. Uh, Philadelphia won on Tuesday night against Washington, twenty-seven to seventeen. My friend. Brandon Gowden 100% accurately predicted this score. So good for you, BLG. Um, my friend, Brandon Gowden, also had a take that said Jalen Hurts is back, uh, despite the fact that Jalen Hurts was awful at the beginning of this game. Um, what was your tweet? Dallas Goddard had butt for hands. Was that what it was during the That's game? That's a Michael Kist, uh, reference. He used to say that a lot on BGN Radio uh, back in the day before he ascended to the high power yeah. that he is now. President Kist is what you mean uh, here on SB Nation Airwaves. Uh, but um, yeah, Dallas Goddard kind of catching on a little bit. Like, I, again, I know it wasn't his best game overall, but last two games for Dallas Goddard have been really productive from a statistical standpoint as somebody who just punched his ticket to the playoffs in his fantasy league of record and has Dallas Goddard. Mm, I'm not, no too, uh, not too displeased about this. Uh, I guess this is a good time for Dallas, uh, unfortunately. Mm. Um, I, I mean, good. fortunately for the Eagles in this case, unfortunately for the Cowboys aspect. Um, yeah, I mean, this is why, like, it was silly that the Eagles didn't trade Zach Ertz early in the season. It was like, like we need to see what he looks like as the number one guy. Um, and sure enough, the Eagles did do that, and he's been really thriving since. He did have, you know, again, some – so he had a really good game for what, like seven for 135, whatever. He dropped a screen pass that – you know, was might have been a touchdown. It would have very least been like, you know, another 20-yard explosive kind of gain. And then the interception was kind of fluky. You yeah. know, just, just bounced off his like. So watching that live, like I was, you know, I'm watching it from the angle, uh, like away from, the, I'm, I'm facing the Washington bench um, as they're facing the field. And like, it just looked like one of those plays to me where the ball was like, like, 
they thought it was a fumble and like he just clearly wasn't. And I was like, what's going on here? But then they show the replay and like, oh man, that is a pick. That's wild. So yeah, that was just a fluky play. Um, but Dallas Goddard's a big reason, you know, obviously why the Eagles are having success offensively. Not the only reason. I mean, again, this running game, RJ, has been crazy. Like it's just they're just grounding and pounding people into oblivion. Uh, I think Jalen Hurts obviously deserves some level of credit for uh, that just from his mobility presents, you know, a threat to the defense as well, even though he didn't really take off running as much in this game. I don't know that that ankle still is like 100%. Um, it didn't seem like the Eagles had as many design runs. And Nick Sirianni was asked about that after the game. And uh, he kind of didn't he, he didn't admit that, but he kind of also didn't deny that. Um, how about how about Nick Sirianni, though, RJ, your boy, your guy, he's, he's coach of the year. Right. I, I saw um, BGN's John Stolness um, quote tweet somebody saying some version of relax. Um, I do want to give Nick Sirianni a shout out for wearing a beanie, a knit cap, um, as opposed to a visor. Um, a toque. Is that that is a word, right? Isn't I, I feel like I've heard in Canada, I think. I thought I've also heard the word toboggan used um, hmm. for that. Maybe, maybe I'm I mean, making that up. I know, but I, that's, I, I don't know if there's some like connection there. But um, but anyway, um, I actually this is a different take. I think any coach who purposely chooses to make a visor part of his like repertoire is a loser. Uh, Matt Nagy is Kelly. a prime example. Yeah, Matt Nagy. Um, won a Super Bowl. Who's going to be the coach of the Bears next year himself? Um, by the uh, way. I don't think so. Jaguars. No, I don't want to see that. Um, I want to see the Bears. I want him to go to the Raiders. I don't know about that. But anyway, um, I, I mean, I suppose it's impressive. I mean, like, are you like? Do you really feel like Nick Sirianni has done something impressive? I mean, I think Jeff Statlin honestly deserves a lot of credit, not to take away from Nick Sirianni, but like, you know, the Eagles offensive line coach has been working with an offensive line that has been missing key players at times, like Lane Johnson earlier in the season and uh, Lane Dickerson tested positive for COVID or, you know, won the COVID list ahead of this week's game. Uh, and they're starting Sua Opeta at left guard, and it didn't matter. Like, this this unit is just mashing people. And it kind of reminds me of, like, what the 49ers are doing. And it's just like, we're just going to kind of not put everything on the quarterback, and we're just going to run the crap out of the ball. Um, and the quarterback kind of just has to be efficient and not turn the ball over, and that's good enough to win, especially against some of these lesser teams. So, um, you know, I don't think he's the coach of the year, but I think he is, like – He's, he's he's a candidate. Like you can you can talk. You no, can have the in no universe is he a candidate? None, dude. Yes, he has. I mean, you can talk about has, him in the conversation. He has this offense seven, has been like elite since week eight. He, he has seven wins. Okay, the first yeah. two are against the teams you just trashed: the Atlanta Falcons, the Carolina Panthers. The third you win the award. The third is the Detroit Lions, who are cute as of late, but you know, really not that good. The fourth is the Denver Broncos who have been less fraudulent than I attacked them for being. Um, I can own up and admit that. Then the New Orleans Saints, fine, uh, rather impressive victory. Then the Jets, the freaking Jets who suck. And then Washington, four, five, honestly, of his wins are against crappy teams. Like five, five of his wins are against bottom eight teams in the NFL. In no like universe does that deserve coach of the year for me. No, absolutely not. No way. I can I name, do agree. I can name seven coaches who deserve it more than him name seven coaches right now bill belichick frank reich um let's hmm. see here um kyle shanahan okay if i'm, if I'm being right. objective hang on I'm, I'm i'm scanning through um options here um i hate to do this but 
Zach Taylor is more deserving to me than yeah. um, than Nick Sirianni. I I know I really hate to do that. Believe me, I, I really hate. Uh, I think Brandon Staley has lost some juice, but I would still put him ahead of Nick Sirianni. I would put Mike McCarthy ahead of Nick Sirianni. In fact, I actually think Coach of the Year is Matt Lafleur. I I mean, like that dude is so good. Like he does not get enough credit. Like he he's getting Mike McCarthy in that. Like oh, it's Aaron Rodgers. Like Matt Lafleur is super awesome. He deserves a lot of credit. I do think some people are getting a little carried away, which is fine because, you know, it's December, you know, it's the holiday season. The Eagles are, you know, on the cusp of making the playoffs. I'm not like going to try to yuck people's yum here. Levi, you said that, right? Um, did you make that up? No, that's a thing that people say. What did you say? What are the words? Yuck people's yum. Um, I just Googled this. It's yuck peop- other people's yums. Um, yums. Okay, I didn't add the S. Uh, no, okay. According to according to Urban Dictionary, it's um, yuck, don't yuck my yum. Um, and entomophagy anthropology lists it as don't yuck my yum. Never heard that before. Okay, thanks for teaching me. So I do think when you look at the Eagles as a whole, like you can kind of take a step back here and look at like some of these teams they've beaten. Let's go back to 2019. Look at the quarterbacks that they've beaten. I'm going to start with uh the 2021 season i guess it'll work backwards because like i i I found myself thinking last night like when's the last time they beat like a really good quarterback you know like like they had a a big win over a really good team with a good quarterback this season matt ryan sam darnold jared goff teddy bridgewater trevor simian zach wilson and garrett freaking gilbert who just signed to washington's roster like friday uh so you can't really find the guy there in 2020, obviously, they only won four games, and they're really bad. But quarterbacks they beat were Nick Mullins, Daniel Jones, Ben DiNucci, as you know, and Taysom Hill. Okay, so not in 2020 either. You kind of have to go all the way back to 2019, a couple of years ago now. Case Keenum, Aaron Rodgers, that's the answer here. They won that game by like the skin of their teeth, but whatever. It was in Green Bay. That's a legitimate win. That, you know, They absolutely get credit for that. After that, though, Luke Falk. Josh Allen, and that was like, you know, before Josh Allen, you know, was kind of at his peak. Right. Um, and also, it's also like that game was like super windy in Buffalo. Like they barely, like teams weren't, they weren't even like, neither team was really like throwing the ball a lot in that game. Uh, so it's kind of a weird game. Mitchell Trubisky, Eli Manning, Dwayne Haskins, Dak, who you could say, but that was like the game he was like clearly hurt at the end of the season. Right. With the was, shoulder. Like, right. Yeah. And like he, he just clearly wasn't 100%. And then Daniel Jones again. So like, that's just something I think about here. Like it's hard to kind of reconcile. It's like, it's not like the Eagles are, they're winning and that's great. And they're seven and seven and they have a chance at the playoffs. But like, I just don't know how you can like look at this team and be like, they're, they're an elite team. They're, you know, they're like, they, they, until they, like they've reached a good spot where, okay, they kind of exceeded some expectations. I think, you know, obviously the expectations were really low after such a disappointing year last year. You didn't know what to make of Nick Sirianni. You didn't know what to make fully of Jalen Hurts heading into this year. And that's great. You're seven and seven. Again, you're you're playing meaningful December football. You have a chance to win a wild card spot. It's not guaranteed, but you have a chance, especially after beating Washington. This is a big win. If the Eagles had lost this game, the Eagles playoff odds would have dropped to like 6% by winning. They're at like 36% per 538. And that honestly might be like a little low because I don't know how much they're factoring like they get to play Jake Fromm, probably, or Mike Lennon this week. And then we'll see. I think the Washington football team game, the next one, which will be in Landover, Maryland, and presumably Washington will be getting some of their players back and won't have to start Garrett Gilbert, a quarterback. Like, I don't know that that's an automatic win. I think that game is going to be tougher than this game was. Um, and this game was not like, you know, a cakewalk. Like, they got down 10-0. to zero, And I, I never thought they are seriously going to lose, but, like, you know, it wasn't a total blowout, and it could have been because Washington was still missing a lot of players, not only the people on the COVID list, but also, like, they lost, like, William Jackson, 
Um, and they lost Landon Collins in this. Like they had people go down in this game as well. So, uh, yeah, I think you know it, the Eagles are in a good spot. Encouraging. There's there's reason to feel good about them, but I don't think like they're still they're still a step away. They're not. I don't think they've arrived by any means just yet. So, I I mean, I think we both are ready to put the ramp. We're we're ready to put three NFC West teams in the playoffs, right? In in whatever order yeah. they they land. Um, so that Definitely. leaves that leaves the last wild card spot, which um, I will tell you right now: if you lose the race against Kirk Cousins, I will roast you all off season for it. So, well, so, how though? He's so good. I mean, that was, I know that's that what I'm, no. I will roast because you're the one who hates on him. So this this is this is literally a sprint between the Eagles and the Vikings. So and if do you Kirk, think if, if we look? Hang think, on. I, I think Philly, so Philly's last three games, Giants, Washington, yeah. Dallas. And as we've mentioned, yep. that, that we don't know about that Dallas game, how consequential it will be. So it's kind of difficult to, to weigh it right now. But two relatively winnable games. You're right, next week in Washington will be tougher. Whereas Minnesota's final three games, they got the Rams, the Packers in Lambeau Field, by the way, on prime time yeah. for Kirk Cousins and then the Bears. So if Kirk Cousins goes through this schedule and proves himself better, than the, the Philadelphia Eagles, it will be a really, really great offseason for me. That's all I'm saying. I do think it's interesting when you look at this race because I think the Eagles basically need to go two and one. I think if they go two and one, they probably get it because the Vikings here, uh, well, first of all, I should mention that the Eagles probably aren't going to win a tiebreaker with the Vikings. The Vikings currently hold the top common games tiebreaker, but even if that gets like sorted out or, or tied, then the Vikings own the strength of victory tiebreaker in the Eagles because they've beaten up on bad quarterbacks, like I said, and haven't beaten really good teams. They have like one of the weakest strength of victories in the NFL. So they're not going to win that probably over Minnesota. Like there could be a lot of weird outcomes that could happen that could change that, but that's, you know, not likely. So we'll put that aside. So they have basically what I'm saying is they're currently tied. They have to get a game ahead of Minnesota, I think. And I think if they go two and one, they'll probably do that. Cause I don't think, do you think Minnesota goes two and one at least in this final stretch? Like I think, I think I, you're looking at one and two. They win the, the Bears game. That's their week 18 game. Yeah. Um, and that's in Minnesota for what it's worth. They just beat the Bears, obviously, on on the actual Monday night game this week. So then the, the challenge you're saying is splitting Rams Packers. Yeah, they to get um, one win there. And so I think they might. I mean, I, hmm. I I mean they've already beaten the Packers. I mean, like I'm I'm not I'm I'm not ready to say it's impossible. But um, my last point on the Eagles, and then we'll get to Devin's to talk Washington. Well, I have one more thing oh, about oh, the because uh, oh. the Saints are here in the mix too, and I think you can't like I know it's easy to like discount them because they're starting Taysom Hill, a quarterback, but the defense is pretty good. And like look at the teams they play the rest yeah, of the way. They trash. get the Dolphins this week. Who on night. I think you know. They're you know they're rolling, but I think you know they're going to lose at some point. I don't think they're like infallible by any means. All of a sudden, and then they get what Carolina and, and then, uh, the Falcons. And after then that, the only thing I would say is like Saints Falcons is one of my favorite rivalries in the NFL. Like I love the pettiness associated with it. Um, so that you know, like you're saying, maybe the Lions play tough in Week 18 against the Packers. Like I could see the Falcons yeah. kind of ruining it for the Saints. So, but sure, uh, but like definitely an easier stretch. It's very possible. I, and if they do, then like the Eagles have the tiebreaker over them. So, you know, if it's the same record, then the Eagles will be okay. But I think it's possible that the Eagles could like go two and one. And I, I'm not saying it's like likely, but I think there's at least like, like there's a, there's a, there's a fair chance that the Saints could win out and two and one wouldn't be good enough uh, in that situation. 
Um, very interesting. My last point actually has to do with the Dolphins. So another week where all three of the Eagles first round picks took a hit back. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts won, the Miami Dolphins won, the Eagles themselves won. Um, I know you're not upset about having three first round picks, but this is a very different outcome than it looked like it was going to be at the beginning of the season. I mean, you're talking like, I mean, we weren't even saying like that Dolphins pick when they were one and seven looked like it might be number one overall. Like you're going to have Three first round picks is awesome, but they're they're going to be the second half of the order, which is kind of crazy to think about given where things were a month and a half ago. It is, and that's kind of funny because like I I was tweeting about how the Dolphins pick was a lot worse than uh, was originally expected, and a lot, I got a lot of the well, they still have three first round picks. Like I know, I get it. I, <laughs> I'm not saying that that they're in a terrible spot. I'm just saying it's disappointing that it looked like they were going to get like at the very worst case scenario, it seemed like they're going to get like definitely a top 10 pick. Like that looked, you know, like almost a lock. And now it's not impossible because they're, I think they're currently at 11. So they're right on the edge there. Um, But like, I think because you, again, you look at the dolphins remaining schedule and even if they don't beat the saints, which I think there's a chance they, who do they get? They still get to play. They um, have, um, they have, they have, they're at Tennessee and then new England. So it's it's possible they they even lose out. They can lose out, um, but I, I tend to think they'll get at least one more win. I think they they find a way to maybe win one more of those games, and that, that would probably knock it out of the top ten, which is disappointing. It's not the end of the world, um, but it is disappointing. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll go right into the interview with Rick Devins again from Survivor Edge of Extinction. Going to talk Washington, going to talk Survivor. Uh, so, yeah, we'll be right back, and then we'll be with Rick Devins. Pleased to be joined now here on the NFC East Mixtape by the one and only legendary, universally famous, internationally known from Survivor, Edge of Extinction, from surviving Snyder, uh, from the losing side of NFC East matchups over the last two weeks. It is the one and only Rick Devins. Devins, thank you so much for joining the NFC East Mixtape. Yeah, guys. Uh, happy to be here. What a mixed intro there. <laughs> really, really laying on the flattery and then stabbing that knife Uh but what can, can't argue with it hasn't been a good run for Washington. Is that, has it ever been a good run for Washington though? Like it. Yeah. Back when I was like five <laughs> years old, uh, when I was five years old, we were, things were looking real good. So, uh, so Dev, well, uh, yeah, BLG oh, needs go ahead, to go right. first because, well, I mean, we know why we're recording this on Wednesday. So BLG, the floor is yours. I'm afraid. It's Wednesday morning. Uh, I'm on running on like five hours of sleep, you know, because this condensed uh, schedule here because the Eagles and Washington football team played on a Tuesday. A little bit unusual, I would say, uh, although the Eagles did once upon a time play on a Tuesday. It was a really bad loss, and we don't have to talk about that. The Eagles presumably exercised their demons by beating the Washington football team on a Tuesday night football game. Uh, this is, a, first of all, I have to say, like, big Survivor fan here, for people who don't know. So this is, like, it's it's a it's an unreal experience. I don't even know to call Rick, Rick, or Devins. I mean, it's Devins, you know. It has to be, because you're watching Survivor and everything. Um, and if Jeff Probes is calling him that, then I guess, you know, that's good enough for me, too. Uh, so, Devins. Uh, one thing we talk about here uh, with the Washington football team a lot, I guess, is, like, you know, like, like what is what are you what do you have to hang your hat on like it's it's tough because like the, the theme of the podcast that you guys have obviously is like the worst owner in sports it's tough to root for this team uh because you have that you know long-term lingering bad factor but at the same time like this is your team you want them to win games so like i guess like my question is always as i think about the big picture like how do you reconcile that 
yeah uh you mentioned our our, our <laughs> podcast surviving snyder because dan snyder is the worst owner in sports uh, uh it's it's tough we don't have a whole lot to hang our hat on it's like horrible game day experience uh really poor <laughs> performance on the field um worst stadium you know even though it's filled with mostly the other team's fans it's it's tough it's really tough we were excited about the ron rivera era chase young um those things have faded a little bit i mean i we i think we still like rivera we still support rivera because at least he's a good guy like that's the point we're at you don't even have to have success it's like at least he's not a horrible person like our owner but uh <laughs> you know we are we are constantly just thinking that something good's gonna happen it's kind of it's kind of stupid but even now we're like now that the washington football team is in a must-win situation this is when we'll get it done over you know the cowboys on short rest with heineke being a folk hero we just we're all just looking forward to something good happening and when that fails we look forward to the draft blg I feel like that's fandom, I guess, though, right? It's just like, you know, there's there is an irrational element to it all. Um, you're going to hope for the best, even though <laughs> you might realize the worst is here. Um, I guess another question for you, Devins, is like, so the Eagles, you know, won on again on Tuesday night. Um, does that's this not a question, BLG. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How, how do you feel about it? No, uh, I guess like, like w- taking stock of where Washington is at right now after this loss, like do you have any hope that they can still make the playoffs this season? And if not, then what's the rest of the season about? I mean, realistically, I don't think that they're going to make the playoffs, but as I was just kind of joking, this is when Washington typically would just start winning out. Like so many times they'll just like win out the rest of the season and slip into the playoffs and give us a heartbreaking playoff place. I, I say so many times it's happened like once, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, but we still hope it's like, if we could salvage our season, even if we don't make the playoffs, if we beat the Cowboys and then beat the Eagles, beat the giants again, like that'd be amazing. But do I think it's going to happen? No. Uh, so what do I look forward to? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not excited about any of these QB <laughs> prospects. Normally, that's what I'd be excited about. But the draft doesn't really excite me. Uh, it's it's going to – I guess I'm looking forward to season 42 as Survivor. <laughs> um, Devins, I have a lot of play. I don't know where to go. I'm, I'm with Bielgic because I'm such a huge fan. I loved your season so much. I – in not no way to pander believe you were robbed i hate the fire making challenge most specifically <laughs> because of of your result um but so I, I but i i can't look past the fact that you're a washington fan you said hang your hat on you're wearing a washington hat right now while we're recording um and so i don't care about what happened on tuesday night the game was insignificant because the cowboys own you both um and so what i i cannot start anywhere else except for the benches i'm so embarrassed for washington that they would do this i i mean you you mentioned the podcast and the podcast is awesome i think it's a great marriage of of survivor and washingtonness um because i think washingtonness needs that that bump by something awesome like survivor but how like how do you like i wrote about this at our site and i i, I said like who what washington fan is proud of this that that the that watch the day after losing to the cowboys would like try to get this themselves and then i mean it's it's just a it's a really big joke uh that that falls i don't know if it falls on dan snyder or jason wright or ron rivera this has obviously not been a great time for washington from a pr standpoint they botched the sean taylor you know retirement situation like what it's so like they, they continue to find ways to embarrass you which is really sad Listen, I think the joke is really on you, RJ, for believing that Washington fans still have pride. That 
that one out the window a long time ago. We're not like Eagles and Cowboys fans where we're trying to like bury all the bad things like, oh, shut up about that. Look at all these good things. You know, my co-host Dalton Ross from Entertainment Weekly, Brendan Shapiro from Survivor Ghost Island, we led the show. Bench, please. I mean, how embarrassing. Like, it was such a lame move when the Cowboys did it. But to copy them makes it a million times lamer. It's just so bad. And at least, like, they came in and won the game. I'm glad our players were warm losing last night. No, it's pathetic, man. The, the Sean Taylor thing, you're just sitting here and going, what do I hope? Do I hope that Dan Snyder is still so involved that he's botching these things? Or do I hope that Jay Wright, mm. who's supposed to save the franchise, is doing this poorly at his job? You know, we still want to be able to pin all the bad things on Dan Snyder, but it's it's a mess. It's You'd think we could at least, quote, win off the field, as Bruce Allen used to say we would do. But no, we, we're losing all over the place. They left the benches. They left the benches at the stadium too. It was like late at night last night. I didn't, I didn't leave the link until late, and like they were still there, and it just felt weird. Like the Eagles benches were already gone at that point. Like they're just like sitting there. Uh, do they have to pick them up today? I don't know. We'll find out, I guess, or, or maybe we won't. Who knows? Uh, but RJ, you had another question. Well, I was just going to say, so Devin's uh, your season on Survivor. I noticed something interesting. This is kind of my my thing, like looking at, at weird quirks. Uh, so you started off. I always botch the pronunciations of the tribes. It's my one qualm with the show and the game as a whole. Uh, but you started off on the Manu tribe. Is that your pronunciation for? Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much, Big Spurs fan. So Manu Ginobili. There we go. There you uh, go. Then the Lesu tribe. All right. Before the merge and nailed the that one too, RJ. There you're killing go. it. Three and three. Vata. You know, yeah. <laughs> all right. So. What what I always find funny um, is on the show when people just throw the names out. They're like, "Yeah, well, we got to beat Yellow in in this this week's you know whatever." Um, so that's always fun for me. So looking at the colors, you are kind of born for the NFC's mixtape, Devins. You started off on Manu, which was blue. All right, you go to Lesu, which was green, and then you finish on Vada, which is red. Um, I mean, you know, truth be told, were you thinking about the mixtape on the island? Because that's really what this was about. 100%. I mean, what they don't show you, there's so much dead time on Survivor. At least there used to be when it was 39 days. There's a lot less now with 26 days. Uh, but yeah, I mean, War Dog and I, the War Dog and I, we just sit out there and talk about the mixtape uh, for sure. Even though he's not an NFL guy, he, he, he left the NFL behind for the NBA uh, and MLB. That's why the Giants are the one tattoo he doesn't have on his arm. He has, he has the Nets and he has the Mets, but no Giants love. Uh, but yeah, of course, everyone out there on Survivor talking about the mixtape. That, that's what they don't show you. We'll, we'll definitely clip that uh, just so you're fully aware uh, for our own purposes. But actually, like now, it's it's so hard to talk about Washington. So if if you'll forgive BLG and I, we have a lot of survivor things. What do you like? I've always thought this. P people freak out when you scurry off into the jungle or whatever. They're like, Devin's is looking for an idol, which you are obviously very good at. How do you not use like production as a strategy? You're like, well, I got to go film a confessional. So that's why I'm really out here. Like, is that is that not a thing? Because I feel like the fourth wall is never broken that way. Yeah, that's not a thing because everyone knows when you're on a confessional. The producers mm. come up and they say, hey, Devin's like five minutes. We got to go. And, and it's all known. And there's really kind of a sportsmanship type thing. Even when you say you're going to Coconut Grove, which is code for I'm going to the bathroom that really you, you, you got to just go to the bathroom. You can't be out there searching for idols because the second production catches you, 
and I'm not talking about other players. I mean, if production catches you looking for an idol or something, when you said you were going to Coconut Grove, then you're not getting privacy at Coconut Grove anymore. You have lost the benefit of the doubt, you know? Ooh. But it is weird having to play with production. Because you mentioned when I – there was a big part on the island when I had already found my idol. And I'm just messing with the other players, right? Like, I, I'm making them think that I'm going out looking for idols. I'm disappearing for hours at a time. And production had to come with me because if no one comes with me, the players are like, oh, he's not doing anything. So I've got three camera guys with me at all times as I'm running through the woods. We're all hiding in the bushes together, just like silently sitting there. They're trying to like tuck their boom mic under the bushes. Like it's a whole adventure trying to get production <laughs> involved to not give away your spot. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, it's really interesting uh, trying to work around and with production as you're doing these things. Yeah. Devin, uh, when it comes to the Eagles, this may shock you, but I'm not an Eagles apologist. I will rip the Eagles when they deserve to be ripped. I think RJ can vouch for me on that. Um, I guess, though, when it comes... I apologize for this, this question. <laughs> when it comes to Survivor, though, uh, I probably am an apologist. Uh, it's just something I want to enjoy. I don't want to always poke holes in it and see all the flaws, um, which, you know, maybe some people want to be more critical. And that's fine. You know, I obviously listen to a lot of the Rob as a podcast podcast, and I think, you know, they do a great job of breaking it down. Um, so, and, and it's fine. I think critically, I get it. I get it. I'm just saying personally uh, preference. And I think, you know, some people treat football that way and I get that, but I guess, you know, as obviously someone who played, but also presumably is a fan of the show, what did you think of the most recent season? And first of all, BLG, I love, (laughs) uh, I love your attitude on, on, on watching it. I love it. I, I used to be, I sold myself going onto the show as a super fan and I believed it because I'd never missed an episode. Uh, loved the show, but I'd also never rewatched the season. I didn't know about Rob has a podcast. I didn't know any of those things. So I got out on the island and realized what a fraud I was <laughs> thinking I was a super fan, but I enjoyed it. I think so much more before when I wasn't trying to break down the edit, when I wasn't like hating on Jeff Probst for trying something new, even though that's the only reason the show's been on for 41 seasons. Like I love just accepting the show and letting it happen and knowing that even the worst season of Survivor is better than any other reality show by far. I thought the last season was great. The cast was terrific. I, you know, I'm one of those podcasters that talks about Survivor a lot, so we do have to break it down sure. a little bit. I'm critical. There was just too many twists, uh, and some of the twists I hated more than others. Like, I hated the hourglass twist uh, where they kind of lied to him. Other twists I didn't mind on their own. There were just so many of them that I feel like you didn't really get to enjoy the cast as much as I would have liked to, but I'm I'm fine with it. I thought it was a great season of Survivor, deserving winner, uh, really I, I was excited to I got to the final three and did not know who was going to win. And then you kind of find out like, oh, the jury felt this way. That was that was a bit of a surprise. But I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great, especially considering the circumstances it was filmed under uh, that being COVID and lockdowns and all that. Yeah. And I think this season maybe was a little bit more criticized by people just in that we hadn't had a survivor season in a long time. And we, we've gone through so many like first things since covid and i was um listening to to phil from the amazing race on rob has a podcast you know because their season's coming back very interested to watch that and so it's it's there's a there's a level of exhaustion still from like everyone's got to set up they're like it's our first you know etc since covid so you've got to go through all that agree with you deserving winner agree 
maybe not my favorite season. Um, agreed, too many twists. It was actually BLG who pointed out to me the hourglass served no function. You know, like I could have understood if there was some twists, like you flip the hourglass over and you have until the, the sand drains out to smash it. But it was just lay it flat on the ground and, and smash it. That's it. Like, And they did weird <laughs> stuff like that all season. You remember the shot in yeah. the dark is a yeah. dice. Yeah. And instead of rolling the <laughs> dice, you, you stick it in a little thing. What are you it's doing? Like they loved using things incorrectly yeah. this season. Like they should have been like, here's a magic hammer. Hang it on this tree if you want to. <laughs> yeah. Um, I agree. And so something I really do hate, and I, I again do not say it's a pander, is the fire making challenge. I actually thought Christy was robbed on her season because I if you win the final immunity, you should have some level of of control on things and i know that's not exactly i mean it, it was absolute control for your season unfortunately but yeah, i right. thought christy w was robbed with ben because he was spared by the fire making challenge when in another season he likely wouldn't have been but i hate like what happened to you and that it's viewed as this it's the only thing that the jury can see and so i have to use it as a show and i know that's something that xander took a lot of heat for not using that opportunity this this past season deep again you're obviously a little bit biased and that's okay but do, do you like that? Do, I mean, because it's it's an extremely unique thing and it puts an inordinate amount of pressure on that particular immunity challenge. And it actually is maybe a disadvantage to win that immunity because you have to weigh. I don't even know if it's different things. But you have to like measure different universes and different outcomes. Yeah, it's really weird. And a lot of people are saying Xander should have put himself in. And that's just so much to ask, especially when he clearly thought he had a chance to win without it. To, to put yourself up for eliminations, just asking a little too much. I like that they put the fire making challenge in originally because it just saved, in my opinion, the best player from going home fourth every time. Like you just had to win out to get to the end because people had cracked the code. Like this is when we have to get rid of the biggest threat. So I like that they put something in. That being said, I think it's played itself out. Like we've seen every variation of it. It's great. And I honestly think this last one showed that it's not really fair. I, I think. Heather did a better job making fire. I think it was much better. And because of wind or whatever, her rope didn't break. But I don't really think that that's fair. So I think come up with something new um, because it, it's been great. It's always super dramatic. But, yeah, everyone plans for it now. It's, it, it's just kind of – I understand what you're saying, which is it really highlights the winner of the fire making challenge instead of the winner of the final immunity challenge. And that's not really uh, the way it should be. So I, I think it's time that they come up with something new, but I'm not sure that they still don't need something there to keep the end game from just being really boring because players are too smart right now. Like if you're their best friend, but you're going to win the game, they're going to vote you out. Like, I don't think this is like the old days where, you know, you're going to be able to emotionally manipulate someone. The the players have just seen too many games now for, for that to be interesting, I think. What do you think, sorry, BLG, of playing the final immunity challenge in front of the jury? Like, if everyone gets to see Xander balance the blocks, like, I do think there's a different level of impact and, and the focus involved. It also obviously increases the pressure of that immunity challenge. You have, like, this live audience that you normally don't have. I know sometimes you have, like, the loved ones visits, um, and, and you, in, in, in that sense, have a, a little bit of a, of, a, of a crowd. But I like that to me somewhat equalizes it because all you see is Xander walking with the immunity necklace. You have no idea how close with the margin of victory was or whatever that may be the case. 
Yeah, but at the same time, I'm like, why is that? I mean, obviously, every time, every, as you get closer to the end, everything's more important. But I won four immunity challenges and not that last one. Like, why is that last one get more credit than my four? And he gets to pick fire. Like, that doesn't seem fair. Um, so, no, I, I like the jury kind of being in the dark. And my season was unique because they didn't see us make fire. It was so windy on my season that they put us up in the voting booth. Just the two of us. So they were just getting Jeff's play-by-play. And still you could see him kind of reacting like you see Warthog doing all his stuff. But uh, So they didn't see us make fire. And obviously it was still just the result was enough for them to be incredibly impressed with Chris for for going out there and putting himself on the line. Devin, I think a key point you made uh, earlier, kind of in passing even, is just that like part of the reason I think why these twists kind of have to exist to some extent for as much as we might get frustrated at some time is like keeping the show fresh for Jeff and the, and like the staff and everyone and keeping their interest level high because it might get boring or, or repetitive to do the same things over and over. And I think you kind of have to, you know, experiment uh, and, you know, keep those creative juices flowing. Um, though pivoting though here to like, okay, so there's probably, a decent amount, some amount of people who listen to this podcast who are like, why are these guys talking about Survivor? I'm here for football, whatever. Um, <laughs> but that's fine because it's our podcast and so we can do what we want. Uh, but like, I guess for someone maybe who doesn't know about Survivor as much and as someone who has played it and obviously now um, is deep in uh, the throes of it, you know, analyzing and everything for your podcast, I guess like, what's the pitch on Survivor? Sell, sell someone who still, <laughs> still, still isn't in it and, and should be paying attention to it. I think you guys can 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 back me up on this or not, I guess, uh, that sports fans especially would just really should give Survivor a shot. There, there, there are a couple seasons on Netflix, Paramount Plus. Like, there's a lot of places to find it. Give it a shot because it is such a unique game from a competitive stance. I mean, you, there are so – just like football, there are so many different strategies. There are so many underdog stories. Uh, there are so many, I mean, actual physical challenges, you know, it's a physically very tough game and it's just seeing people who are literally starving, uh, literally sleeping out with like no shelter in just these horrible conditions break down personally while they're trying to play the most complicated game, social game in the world. Uh, it, it never fails to be entertaining. Like the triumphs are incredibly uh, rewarding and the messiness is incredibly fun. <laughs> and there's just a lot of everything. So I, I really think that when people start a season, they you very rarely get someone who just stops. Like maybe people have never started because it's just, they think of it as that stupid island <laughs> show. But once you turn it on, it, it just hooks you. Yeah, I think that's really well said. And what I love is it kind of like sports. Like you said, you get different kinds of winners. Like Kim is one of my favorite winners of all time. And that's like, so a lot good. of people think that's a, a really boring season just because she like cruises to victory. And then you get seasons like this one that are a little bit more contentious. Some people feel a little bit differently. And, um, you know, it is what it is. And, and kind of like sports, you have these like questionable calls, questionable decisions, whether like production based or, you know, like Xander's decision at, at the final four. So in the spirit of that, to pivot back to sports, uh, Devin's you're a big sports fan and obviously a big Washington NFL fan. What doesn't have to be a Washington season, but what what NFL season would you compare your season of Survivor to? Um, kind of the the rise, the triumphs, the falls, the end, 
Uh, again, it, it can be Washington. It can be Philadelphia. I don't know why you would do that. It, it could be Dallas. I've got one, and it's it's going to be for our unrepresented NFC East team, the Giants. <laughs> uh, my season has got to be the Patriots undefeated, and that's me. <laughs> And then at the last second, out of nowhere, this team left for dead. The Giants comes out of nowhere and wins the whole <laughs> thing on a dramatic catch against the helmet, being the fire-making challenge in Chris Underwood. Uh, and the Patriots fall. And that season still remembered for two things, how dominant the Patriots were and that one crazy ending. Uh, and I feel like that's Edge of Extinction. I think that's well said. Um, so, I mean, you know, a little bit of a humble brag to say you're maybe the greatest <laughs> regular season team of all time. Uh, but you, I, again, I, I felt that way. And like, I mean, again, this is kind of the lore of Survivor, but you think people are going to win in like your season. I went into that, you know, the end of that thinking like this is Devin's is to win. I didn't love the, the edge of extinction twist at first, but you sold me in your story and your return. Um, still not a fan of it, generally speaking, but I can make a, a one-time exception, certainly. Uh, BLG, do you agree with the Patriots? Um, I mean... Uh, look, this is going to be really, you know, I was going to just put on hard. Uh, did, but did the Patriots ever lose, though? That's the thing. Did they Did they ever get eliminated at one point? During, right. No, that's right. I'm not I'm not calling myself the greatest regular. Season. I'm just saying they were the heavy, heavy favorite it. to win the season. Uh, no, I would not consider someone who got voted out fourth the best player to ever not win. Uh but uh you didn't get yeah. voted out though like if i was you that's thing something i would tell people like all the time be like i've never been voted off well, i guess you technically well, have. i was but, voted uh, off the first yeah. time that's what but i, I do yeah. when people say you were voted off twice i say whoa 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 <laughs> incorrect <laughs> um i i do think the giants thing is funny and something that people kind of like miss about those runs or like don't talk about is giants fans like wanted tom coughlin fired like right before they went on those runs like it's crazy uh, and honestly, the second one, I, I will never be able to reconcile as just like, and, and that one specifically, because it was just like the, the flukiest thing, the way they won in the playoffs that year was just like, they got like literally every break and to win a championship, you have to get lucky, like along the way sometimes. And just like survivor twin survivor, no one goes into survivor and like, like for the most part and like plays the perfect game and like, doesn't get some kind of fortuitous break at some point. Like that's just, that's the game. That's how life works. It's just, it just is what it is. Um, I guess one more football thing for me. Uh, Devons is who is the Washington football team's quarterback next year? Taylor Heineke. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think there's any doubt. We might have, you know, we might draft one, uh, but I think Heineke will get the start. Uh, I think he's done enough this season to earn that. Like, I, I don't think any rookie that we draft next year is going to be able to put up as good a season as Heineke has put up so far this season in their rookie year. So I think it's going to be Taylor Heineke. I don't know what that means for the Washington <laughs> football team, uh, but I do like him. I like him. He's, a, he's got a good spirit. He's, he's certainly overperformed what we could ever expect. And honestly, he, he's given us what I wanted Fitzpatrick to give us this year. Like I was really excited about Fitzpatrick. I was like, it's going to be messy. Uh, hopefully he'll throw more touchdowns than interceptions, but it's going to be entertaining to watch. Like he, it's not going to be Alex Smith out there dinking and dunking. And Heineke has given me all that that I wanted from Fitzpatrick. So I, I'm high on Heineke as just like a guy. I don't think he's the guy who's going to give us the promised land, but I don't know if that guy exists. I mean, <laughs> I always say if we had drafted Aaron Rodgers, he probably wouldn't be Aaron Rodgers. Like we can ruin a quarterback. Uh, so I don't know. I'm glad we don't have Daniel Jones. I'll tell you that. 
Um, and this, in the spirit of that question, Devin's uh, last one for you. Um, this is the NFC's mixtape. There's there's some cordialness here, but obviously a sense of rivalry. Uh, BLG and I are sort of natural foils, kind of the Batman and Joker sort of situation here. Uh, but Who's we're Batman? always curious. Uh, I'm definitely Batman. Uh, just yeah. Uh, but I guess um, if he's green. He should be Joker. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Thank you very much for for vouching for this. Uh, but it, you know, everyone kind of has a different slant. In um, so I'm curious, how would you rank the other divisions or the other rivals for you in terms of team you you most oh, hate or least hate yeah i love this we were actually talking about this recently on surviving snyder so when it comes to just the teams i hate the cowboys with a passion more than anything it's always That's the right. cowboys then the wow, eagles okay. and then like way under that the giants like i don't i don't really care about the giants when it comes to fans though I hate the Eagles fans yes, the also. most because they're insane. <laughs> Cowboys fans, half of them don't even watch the games. Oh. They're just like, yeah, walking around in their Yankees hat and their Cowboys <laughs> yes. shirt. You know what I mean? Uh, and then Giants fans again, they're just like, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm glad that we could all agree that the Giants are pretty insignificant in our lives. Um, <laughs> so they really are though like they with blg and i say this all the time they lack juice they're just there's nothing interesting about them what's like i would say that something interesting about washington is like the little brotherness at least from my perspective like the bench thing like they just are an annoying little gnat um but you know they they are you know they do constitute themselves as relevant uh rick devins from surviving snyder on twitter at rick underscore devins sorry devins that our teams had to beat yours over the last two weeks and likely will again um or the next two uh well, we'll see. I would like to disagree. <laughs> yeah. I common sense dictates um, I can't. It is what it is. Um, I think I, I really hope that Washington loses out so that, uh, to be honest, I can get a lot of content out of the bench thing. Um, yeah, that's, that's my job. You know, we, we all have our, our, our curses and that's mine. Uh, but, uh, but this was a fantastic conversation. Looking forward to catching up again after the season's over, maybe, you know, around Survivor 42. Um, but thank you so much for joining us. This was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Uh, next time, maybe we won't do it right after Washington loses to both of your teams. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for keeping this mostly about Survivor. It hurts less. Big time shout out to Rick Devins from Survivor Edge of Extinction. Once again, on Twitter at Rick underscore Devins. That's D-E-V-E-N-S. Uh, that was a lot of fun, BLG. I mean, we, we ventured a little bit outside of the NFC's waters, so to speak. Not really, uh, but a different sort of interview. Uh, certainly a unique one for us. Uh, Rick Devins is the man. He's awesome. We appreciate him taking the time. Uh, I hope that maybe some people will give Survivor a chance. I know a lot of people, RJ, who picked up Survivor during like quarantine and like started watching on Netflix and everything and then kind of worked their way back from there. So I definitely think uh, it's worth a try. And Rick, Rick Devin sold it way better than I could. And I'm not getting paid to plug the show, to be clear. But I just thought like I, I think it's a, it's something that sports fans would enjoy. Like it's another thing uh, that is would be potentially up your alley. I think some people see like Survivor. It's, oh, reality TV. Like, I'm not a reality TV person. Well, neither am I. I'm not like the biggest reality. Like, I don't watch a lot of reality TV outside of Survivor. I think Survivor kind of transcends that genre. Uh, so give it a shot. I think it's fun.
Uh, Rick did mention this. This isn't a plug either, but um, as somebody who just had a baby, um, I've been looking at Paramount Plus and I'm like, man, this is so cool. Like I can someday show my son like all the like Nickelodeon shows and stuff that like I grew up on. And I can, you know, once he's old enough to sit in a little chair or whatever, just sitting down and like slap on some whatever. Uh, Paramount Plus, you also you get inside the NFL, which is cool. You get the Champions League. Uh, we don't have to talk about our allegiances there, PLG. Um, and you also get Survivor. So uh, if you're going to watch a season, Actually, my last question on this, BLG, if someone's going to – they can't go watch Devons this season now because they, they know the result. But if somebody's going to watch a, a season of Survivor and they're going to give it a chance, they're going to try it, they're going to trust us, what season should they watch? Well, they can use discount code NFC's mixtape to get – no, I'm kidding. That's no, that would have been awesome. Um, no, I was about to be like super stunned. Like, what happened that I missed out on? But, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I would say – I know a lot of people, I think, who started at Heroes versus Villains. Heroes versus villains so yeah. I think that's kind of – was that the best season all time? And, and Rob uh, Rob has a podcast ranking. I think he might have – I think that might have been the one that came out on top. I forget. I've I actually think it was. never seen that season, if I'm being fully transparent. Wow. Um, you got to see it. Um, I would go back – I mean, like I when I started binging, it was a little bit before quarantine. I, like, start at the beginning. Like, it's so interesting to see where the game has come. Eh, I think that's tough for some people. I know some people who like started from episodes or season one and like they just didn't get it. And it was also kind of like boring. And obviously, the production level wasn't the same. So, uh, I, I would say don't start there. I mean, I'm a completionist and I like to go in in order. So that's probably where I would start. But I think for some people who kind of like might get turned off to that or like they might, it doesn't. Season one does not accurately reflect at all what's going on sure. today is all I'll uh, say. That, yeah. That's a great point. I just From the completionist perspective is where I was coming from. I will say do not watch Winners at War. Um, and even Heroes versus Villains is bad. Heroes versus Villains is awesome, but it features returning players. And so the con to that, if you do ever plan on watching other seasons, is you're, you're sort of spoiling things. And there is a season yeah. um, called Winners at War that is comprised of all winners. So if you watch that and then you ever go back and rewatch their seasons, well, yeah, that would be tough. Um, a, a winner uh, is definitely not the New York Giants, as Devin's put himself. <laughs> Smooth transition. BLG, 4-10 and 10 for the fifth straight season. Every year since the infamous boat photo, the Giants have lost at least 10 games. Five straight seasons of double-digit losses this week the giants placed daniel jones on season ending injured reserve sterling shepherd season is over uh ed valentine uh mentioned in his things i think piece that he wrote at bigblueview.com that he actually thinks that sterling shepherd might be done as a new york giant and speaking of ed valentine let's hear what he had to say about last week's loss to the dallas cowboys the New York Giants fell to 4-10 and on Sunday with a 21-6 loss to the Dallas Cowboys. That marks not only five consecutive losing seasons for the Giants, but five consecutive double-digit loss seasons as well. The Giants' defense played fairly well on Sunday, holding Dallas to just 21 points, but the offense was pathetic as it has been in the three weeks since Daniel Jones suffered his neck injury. Mike Glennon made a third consecutive start for the Giants, and for the second time in three weeks, the Giants were held without a touchdown in those games. Glennon threw three interceptions, was eventually replaced at the end by Jake Fromm, who was making his NFL debut second-year player who's only been with the Giants for three weeks. At least Fromm showed uh, a little bit of ability to to complete some passes to wide receivers. So 
The, and Joe Judge said after the game that the Giants would open up a conversation about whether they should go forward with Glennon or Fromm as the starting quarterback if Daniel Jones continues to be unable to play due to his neck injury. This was an embarrassing game for the New York Giants held at MetLife Stadium, which was largely overrun by Dallas Cowboys fans. The Giants also, you know, contributed to their own embarrassment, their own misery by offering fans a ridiculous free medium soda for Fan Appreciation Day. So, uh, bad day, ugly day for the Giants as their season continues to uh, to spiral downhill. Thank you, Ed Valentine. Check out BigBlueView.com for more of Ed's fantastic work and everybody on the Big Blue View staff. Uh, BLG, your thoughts on the Giants, uh, especially considering that is who the Eagles play this week. By the way, the Eagles lost to the Giants last time they played them. Uh, do you mind if we take a break here, actually, because I'm kind of thirsty and uh, I-, I just need something to like quench my thirst. Do-, do you have any like recommendation? Like maybe I can like get like, you know, like a medium soft drink or something. Uh, wow. like, really You're nice a really if, clever uh, person. I'm really disappointed yeah. at this. This was not uh, not to your standards. <laughs> uh this was good this is did you see the like distinction about that that made it worse i don't know know okay okay so we'll explain it then to people well i think you're better at setting it up but i'm going to set it up anyway and that is for people who didn't see so first of all like tweet goes around last week that like okay uh if you're a giant season ticket holder and on fan appreciation day you're going to get a medium soft drink and it's like okay that's pretty lame everyone who owns a season ticket is getting a soft drink and then it was even worse though because it wasn't even anyone who had a season ticket it was like the main name on the account like so one person per whatever you know allotment of tickets gets one not even a large medium medium size soda um so the giants are just a joke and ed even wrote about that by the way like i was surprised that he kind of did that because i thought like that's something he might just dismiss as whatever but like he even pointed out that how much of an embarrassment that was so even giants fans are saying that it's not just something that's being like it's not just like low-hanging fruit um that people are ragging on the giants for but i mean yeah you know the giants are in a really bad spot obviously they are down to their third string quarterback presumably like why are they still playing mike Lennon? like there'd be no reason to they have i know jake Fromm probably isn't anything either but like he's at least younger and like when he got in the game against the cowboys like he almost matched mike Lennon's yards total yeah. for the whole game like he moved the ball a little bit and like he might, like he might be their taylor terrible. heineke like you know like he, he might be that like you might they, be something washington only discovered taylor heineke like because you know they were up against a wall yeah. last year and so like he, he could be that like th- this season should the rest he of the could season, be yeah I, that's what i'm saying like this season the rest of it should be just about experimentation you have nothing to gain except for intel and if you throw that away you are the trash organization that we know you to be so you mentioned like this might be Sterling Shepard's last game. And I don't really think that has a lot of juice, at least to me personally, maybe for Giants fans. Um, but I think I wonder if has Daniel Jones played his last game for the New York Giants, RJ, because the Giants shut him down, obviously. And by the way, that's like kind of a concern. Like, I think a low key concerning thing, like neck injury, like that's never great. Um, I don't know how serious it is. Obviously, I'm, I'm not plugged in enough to to say the extent of it, but uh, that's interesting. And then this came out on Tuesday before the game uh, on Tuesday night 
Albert Breer kind of just said, like, matter of factly, I saw him, someone clipped it on Twitter when he was doing like a, a Twitter Q&A. And this might have just been like the nature of the Q&A. Like he was just kind of just, you know, shooting out answers and not really uh, giving actual in- sourced information. But, you know, he was he kind of suggested that Daniel Jones might have played his last game for the Giants. And he also pretty matter of factly said that their next quarterback is going to be Russell Wilson. So a couple of things. One, I don't think he has. Um, I'll put it this way, put on a Giants uniform for the last time. I, I think he might, his days as the like unquestioned starter might be over um, and, and we'll see like if it is Russell Wilson or somebody else, but like they're not cutting him. You know what I mean? Like, you know, no, they're not they're, cutting they're, him. That, that's but what I'm saying. Like decision to make. No, I like your option. There's, that's what I'm saying. Out. There's no way they pick up his fifth year option. None. Zero way that that is happening. It's impossible. They, they can't, can't do that. Right. It's fully guaranteed now. It's this isn't like, the, you know, a couple of years ago when it right. used to be like, it wasn't guaranteed except for injury. Like now, now it's fully guaranteed. So, so that, but that's what I'm saying. He's on like, he's on the books for 2023. So, or no, 2022. Sorry. So just, you know, he's on the team next year. That's my point. So I don't think he's like, it, it, however you define played his last game is, is really up to you. But, um, I, I also like, well, so first of all, before I leave the subject of Daniel Jones, you might know this. Do you know how many games he has started and won at MetLife stadium in three years as their first round franchise quarterback? Um, so we beat, there's one against the Eagles. <laughs> so there was that one, um, like three, uh, it's not that low. Um, he has mm. started and won seven games at MetLife wow. stadium in the last three years. Do you know how many of those came against non NFC East teams? Uh, one, it's close Two. The two <laughs> non-trash NFC East teams. And what, his only win against the Cowboys uh, at MetLife Stadium was against Andy Dalton. So, you know what I mean? Like, not you, you could poke a lot of holes in this, but uh, his only two that weren't against the division were against the Las Vegas Raiders this season. I would have thought you would have got that one. Uh, and the Carolina Panthers. Oh, I mean, so, that. you know, just, just gross. I mean, just total, absolute gross, gross, gross. Um, He's also so, lost to the Jets there, too, I know. He had, as a, as a visitor, though, to be very clear, um, you know, so yeah, if so facto, whatever. Um, I think more than ever, I think the Giants would be astoundingly stupid to trade for Russell Wilson. Like, I don't even know that I, like, if Russell goes to the Eagles or, or the Giants for that matter, like, I don't know that I'm afraid of Russell Wilson anymore. Like, R- Russell has, has clearly dropped off. And, like, I, that's not to say he can never get it back, but, like, he is clearly not, like, you know, Mr. Unlimited, Hustle, Russell, whatever. Like, he, he is, he has regressed himself. You know, I don't think it was until like maybe this year that I finally figured out what Danger Russ is. I never oh, got that. I was like, why, why are people calling him Danger Russ? Well, oh, I saw his two words. He, he spells it like, like Russ, like R-U-S-S. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like he's, Which makes sense. But I, I just never said it out loud, I guess. Or like I was, I always just saw it written down. And I was like, I, I don't really get I this. I think it's his Twitter so, Yeah, probably. Well, anyway, I'm dumb is the point. So uh, I, I feel conflicted about that. Because obviously I'm a big Russ fan and I think he's great and I, I love don't Russ. totally, yeah, he's your favorite quarterback and you have a Russell Wilson jersey. If people didn't know that on this podcast, the Giants fans probably don't know that uh, that you have a you know jersey of their future quarterback. Uh, but I guess the thing is though, and I think you're kind of here with me. If like so, it kind of almost depends on the team he goes to, right? Like let's say the Steelers traded for Russell Wilson, then oh, I feel yeah. like he's probably very different. Fine. 
But like if the Giants trade for him, then it's like, oh, he's done. Like he's not going to be good, which is kind of a, a weird way to think about it. Um, and I'm not just talking about situation there either. I'm not talking to just like the supporting cast. I'm talking about actually like who he is, like independent of all that. And it feels like if the Giants trade for him, well, he must be done. He must be cooked because there's no way the Giants are getting this right. Although I guess at the same time, I feel like if there is someone who could maybe like bring the Giants out of what they are. And maybe that's part of the appeal for him is because like he wants to go to New York and be in that market and like be the hero and be like the guy who puts the Giants back on the map. Like that that kind of tracks, I think, from a narrative standpoint. Um, I'm not like shaking in my boots if the Giants trade for Russ, because I do think it could blow up, but like I don't feel a hundred percent confident that like he just he's not gonna get back and it is definitely is gonna be a disaster. Like I'm a, I'm at least a little bit nervous. Um I mean, yeah, I mean, like on my like one to 10 scale, I'm not a zero like on nerves. You know what I mean? But like he is, what, he is Russell. Will, I guess maybe like out of respect to Russell's and I'm like a four. You know what I mean? But, you know, it that and this is our first episode on the Big Blue View Network. So sorry, everybody. But like I this the Giants are that bad. You know what I mean? Like what? Like there's no reason to trust that they will get it right around him right there's none i mean like and i i hate to say it, i mean, don't actually hate to say that but like that's the truth of it all i mean dude they are so bad i mean they are awful and i i actually you know i appreciated it in the conversation with devins how he is kind of like you can't hurt us like we know we suck like you know like there yeah there is no new low and i don't think giants fans really have reached that um on Agreed. tuesday blg uh i saw a tweet from a giants fan that was trying to pick apart uh, Trayvon Diggs' season, uh, noting the quarterbacks that Trayvon has picked off in his his last seven interceptions, like making fun of, of seven interceptions, mind you, uh, and, say, you know, noting how they were against Sam Darnold and Mike Glennon and, you know, whatever. So um, still count. You know, yeah. They, they, yeah, it's like, okay, whatever. Um, I quote tweeted that, and I said, uh, Trayvon Diggs has two touchdowns this season. Uh, he is a cornerback for the Dallas Cowboys. The Wide receiver who the New York Giants gave $72 million to this offseason, Kenny Galladay, does not have a single touchdown this season. In fact, neither does their first round pick, Kadarius Toney. Uh, in fact, Trayvon Diggs has caught more passes in the end zone at MetLife Stadium than Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Toney combined in the history of their careers as New York Giants. Um, so that's what I'm saying, man. Like even the Galladay thing, like that was so weird when it happened. And like, it has it, is that not the, the worst free agent signing of, of last off season? I mean, maybe Curtis Samuel. He's been pretty bad. <laughs> he hasn't been able to play. Um, and, and we call that at the time too. I think like the, I, I think, I think there was some hope for the Galladay ones from a standpoint of, um, he's really good at the deep ball. And Daniel Jones, I thought like maybe there could be something there. Um, I think, you know, trying to look for something to have Giants fans hang their hat on, RJ. Like, is, is there anything we can point to? Because it's kind of disappointing because, like, for them, from a Giants standpoint, cause I thought Kadarius Tony like, might be this, like, nice, surprisingly nice player. He had a huge game against the Cowboys, but then he's had, like, this such, like, a, a lost season, like, for a rookie year because he shows that potential, and he's, like, he's hurt. He's on the COVID list. Like, he's in. He's out. Like, it's just – it's really been a strange – and even going back to training camp, like there was like weird things going on with him and, and all that. So uh, I would say like in theory, you would at least hope you're like your first round pick is promising. You have future for next year. And obviously they have, you have the bears one, pick too. I was to say that's probably the best thing they have going for them is the bears are a disaster. And Justin Fields isn't as anywhere as good as some people made him out to be, or at least right yet. And as a result, uh, the giants are going to have two really high picks and 
but I, but then again, it's like okay, it's in a year where the quarterback class isn't you know presumed to be strong. So it's like, what do you do with those? Uh, Dave Gettleman being gone is the right move. But like, so something I saw at Big Blue View is like they might just like hire Kevin Abram or promote Kevin Abram who's no. there. Like, no, no, why? You're gonna like. I, I hate when teams do this in general. Like, how is the guy? I mean, it worked out, I guess, for the Cowboys from like a Kellen Moore standpoint or whatever. But like, yeah, you, a can, lot of, you can find an example that fits every every you know narrative. I think that's point. that's the exception. Like, right. the, the answer is not always in house. How can teams think this? They always like the answer is here, even though especially when you're bad. Like, as bad as the Giants have been, they're the worst team. And like, the the solution is just promoting a guy who's already been here. Like, why hasn't he been able to help? now you know what i mean like why, why why did it take like promoting him like i just i just don't buy that up. people always said that about deuce daly who i like deuce i think he's a good running backs coach and whatever but people are always like just promote him to offensive coordinator and that'll solve everything it's like well like he's in the coaching staff now and like he's, he's contributing to the game plan now like if he's not contributing answers now how is like promoting him gonna just fix everything i just i don't get that line of thinking so uh i would hope for the giant's sake Giants hands sake that they actually conduct like a real GM search and hire someone outside of the organization. You mentioned um, how, like what hope is there? I, I sometimes I like to look at teams like through this lens, it's, it's Christmas time. So what if, if a New York Giants fan opens a present this weekend and has a Giants Jersey, like what, what Giants Jersey are they like legitimately pumped about? Like, yes, I, I got a insert, whatever here, Jersey. Is there one? From a current, you were talking about current roster. Yeah, we're too, talking right? like current team because you can eat like, like Philadelphia is bad, five hundred, whatever. But you get a, a Devonte Smith jersey, awesome, way to go. I think it's stupid that he wears number six, but whatever. You get a, a Terry McLaurin jersey on on Washington. You get a Chase Young jersey on Washington. You're pumped. You're feeling good. Merry Christmas to you. Obviously, there's a ton of choices for the Cowboys, but like, what 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 jersey is there for the Giants that you are like, yes, I got it. I mean, it shouldn't be Saquon because Saquon is not good, no. by the way, as we've said here. Uh, Jalen Smith now? I mean, that's pretty exciting. No. Um, I'm looking through the roster. I'm scrolling through, and I can't find any that, like, you're – I mean, like, Andrew Thomas, no. Like, you can't pick him. You can't pick your left tackle. Um, it's no one. Who would it be? Like, Dexter Lawrence, maybe, if you like a defensive lineman. But, like, there's just no, no juice. It, it would Leonard, maybe be Kadarius Tony. That would be the answer. Well, Leonard Williams is, is a fine – like, 99 is a good number, and he's been good. But, like, you know, the juice there is just limited. So there's not one. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you're a fan of a team where you would not be excited to get any of the players' jerseys, you are in a bad place. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm again. I'm looking through here. And I can't. I can't find one. No, there's no. not. There's not a single one. I mean, you know, it's just it's tough times. You know. So sorry, Big Blue View. I know this was our our first episode on your feed. <laughs> um, okay, this was a longer episode than normal, but we did have the Rick Devins interview that was awesome. BLG. This is the last time we'll mixtape it up before Christmas. Likely the last time we'll mixtape it up before the Dallas Cowboys have officially won this thing. Do you have any final thoughts? Uh, looking forward to getting back to a normal schedule next week. Again, for the people who don't know, mm. we usually release these pods on Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern time. So hopefully we we'll get back to that next week and uh, have, should have some interesting playoff slash division scenario, not division, but playoff uh, scenarios to talk about uh with these teams and uh you know more division games between these two teams or all four of these two games between the four teams 
Um, well said. All right, Cowboys, NFC's champions. Book it. Everybody have a very Merry Christmas. Um, I hope we talked to you before then, but if not, a Happy New Year. Uh, BLG, the final word, however many you want it to be, belongs to you. Merry Christmas to all, and to all, a good night.